Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, welcome. Lisa and I are laughing because our introduction is talking about we want to help you with information that you can use for the future, and our sound engineer has been mocking us because we can't even How figure rude. out. Why. Very rude. <laughs> we're having a little issues on our, our technology here. And um, and yet, we're, we are really here to help you out for your future. <laughs> you can us, count on us. Ask us anything, any question, and we will be here for you. Well, we are going to have a fabulous day today. We have some incredible guests. And uh, we are talking about some um, about stories, stories, your stories, different and levels of stories, and just the, the impact and the significance of stories. And before we get too far into our short show, or or our shore, if you're sitting next to the beach there, and uh, we're <laughs> going to help with all kinds of information, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan. <clears throat> where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, today we are going to be talking with Sherry Burgess, and she is the wife of a nationally syndicated radio host, Rick Burgess, of the Rick and Bubba Show. They are both sought-after ministry speakers and marriage conference hosts. She is a former news and that turned author. She's the mother of two teenage sons at home and two adult children. Uh, the thing we love about Sherry the most is her heart is deeply committed to living out God's will for her life and helping others to do this the same. So hello, Sherry. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Well, we, um, I, I don't know if you heard our first introduction. We're actually doing fabulous, but um, yay. We are mocking each other because we, we've had quite the morning with um, all of our technology. Which and is good. we are highly caffeinated, oh, so you no. that combination, and it's a mess. But you know what? There's, we know that something beautiful is going to emerge from that mess. Well, well even with the caffeine Absolutely. situation, I, I was a mess, mess trying to get the, um, the uh, Keurig to work, and, and Lisa had a hard time figuring that out for me. So <laughs> technology is hard. It's definitely yeah. not my strong suit at all. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> Good to hear. So. Good to hear. So Sherry, we are so excited to have you on the, the show today. And uh, yeah. we're going to just dive right in. You had okay. a book that, um, that just recently was released, and we would love mm-hmm. to hear your, your story. So if you wouldn't okay. mind jumping in and telling us a little bit about how it came to Well, we're, ta- we're talking you know, about stories and the significance and the challenges that yeah. we face stories as we live them. And, you know, a lot of times uh, stories are riddled with pain, and the pain mm-hmm. is what kind of gives us purpose a lot of time. And mm-hmm. so we know that that's part of your story, a significant part of your story. So... Um, we just want to kind of hear and have you walk us through because we know there's so many women listening going, I'm in this season right now that 
I don't know if I can see on the other side of it. Or, you know, or I have a friend that I need to help kind of guide through. So um, just kind of go to us and start sharing your story with us a little bit. Well, I think this is great because um, God teaches through stories all through the Bible. He in Jesus himself taught in these parables. And so I do think that it, it's good for us to hear one another's stories and testimonies because that's the way we learn. I think mm-hmm. that stories touch our hearts and open our hearts to God's truth um, in so many ways. My uh, story is not <laughs> is not a, a super happy story, but it's one so filled with hope. Um Eight years ago, my son, uh, Bronner, uh, at two and a half, wandered out of our house. Um, it was it was January nineteenth, two thousand eight, and so it was it was cold and dark, and he was supposed to be playing in the playroom. His brothers were in there, and um, I had just uh, gone upstairs for a few minutes. And um, anyway, long story short, he uh, ended up outside and fell in our pool and um you know when i i pulled him up out of the water i was um horrified in shock i thought my life was over i i I couldn't believe what i was seeing but i knew where to go i knew uh to run to god and i started begging for um for Bronner's life and i kept um saying to God, please don't do this. Please give him back. And as the emergency um, workers came and were working on him, I continued to beg for the life of my son because as a mother, that's all you want is Mm -hmm. your child back. But something started stirring within me. I believe the Holy Spirit in my weakness was made strong in me and prayed, not my will, but thine, O Lord, be done. So I knew when um, they were not able to revive him um, that this was God's will. I never questioned that from that moment on. Uh, What I did question was why. If God willed this, why would he will it? And so that took me on a journey to understand I knew where to go. I knew to go to God. And um, the Bible taught me so much through um, this experience. I found uh, right in the beginning of my search in Romans chapter 8 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I see that, you know, this wasn't punishment, but rather discipline, discipline, um, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us is um, is meant to refine us, to make us better, to grow us, to make us holy like God. And those are some of the lessons that I learned through this. Of course, I was crushed, but God picked me up and helped me as I cried out to him for the answers. Of course, the Bible is, is covered uh, with the answers. Um You know, it says that suffering produces in us endurance, character, hope, steadfastness, um, that that those uh, who belong to Christ will suffer, and that through many tribulations must we enter the kingdom of God. But but I'm human, and so I was hurting, and I, I, I needed my father, and I cried out. I said to him, but we were so happy. 
We were so happy, God. And I heard him say to me, in my spirit, but I want you to be holy. So again, this is training in righteousness, making me more and more like my Savior. There was another time when I cried out to God just because I I kept hearing these stories again and again of other children who had gone on to heaven, and it was breaking my heart. And I cried out to God to tell me, why the children? Why do you take the children? And again, you know, when the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit, that was my reality. So he was near to me, and I could hear him in ways that I never could before, but it was clear and distinct. And he said to me, but what about the others? They're all mine. You're going to get this glorious reunion with your son. But I won't get that with all of mine. See, I had, I had said to God, there's nothing worse than losing a child. I know you lost your son, but you got him back after three days, three days. And he says to me, but what about the others? So what I was learning from God in that moment was that this was not only for my refinement to grow me, to make me see God in a new way, to make me holy, um, but it was also to bring many others um, to Christ. And, you know, I knew what it felt like to lose a child. And if I love my father, God, then I don't want that for him. And so in that moment, I had compassion for God. I felt that, okay, if God wants to use me, my husband and my son and my family, to bring others to himself, then I can submit to that. Because, like God said, my pain is temporary. I know that I'm going to get Bronner back. But for him, he doesn't get that with all of his, all that he has created. Because he desires that none should perish. And so, again, I had compassion for him, and I want to help him um, bring his children home. Hmm. Well, you know, we just have a couple minutes until we have to take a commercial break. So I'm just warning mm-hmm. you if I, if I have to rudely interrupt you. Um, powerful story. <laughs> okay. But um, it is interesting because what you're basically talking about is perspective. You know, mm-hmm. how do yeah. we see that? It's like you even have to like kind of zoom out on your story so many times ago. Our story is part of a, of a bigger story God that God is or- mm-hmm. that's orchestrating. And so sometimes we just, yeah. we just see this little, what's right in front of us, our story, but it's, it's in light of a, of a larger story, um, God, mm-hmm. which is God's story, which is what you're saying. And you're seeing it then from different perspectives where, you know, and, and as you're, as you're speaking and talking, it's like, you know, Patty and I are both mothers and I happen to be a, a grandma of, of, of grandchildren seven on down seven years old and down and as you're describing this it's like I can't even imagine I mean my heart inside was just mm-hmm. I can't even imagine even the loss of one of my grandchildren at that so mm-hmm. you know for you to speak from that point and I know there's so many women listening that have experienced loss that I can't even fathom mm-hmm. and um and it's like how do we gain that perspective how do we how are we able to see beyond that to see where God is still working and where God is still good, where he's still a good, good father. Um, and I know, you know, 
that song that, that, that's out right now, Good Good Father, is <laughs> yeah. really resonating with so many people because it's yeah. like, I need, I need to know, not just in my head, but I need to know in my heart that you are a good, good father mm, and that because yeah. you're a good, good father, it changes everything. And so I think that is our challenge is connecting the mm-hmm. head to the heart and responding mm-hmm. in that way. So we're going to take a quick break on that note, Sherry. We want to come back and okay. continue on your story and how God has redeemed and, and restored in some mm-hmm. ways. So it's a story you never would have asked for. We'll be right back. Oh, no, of course not. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A hundred years ago, only about 10% of adults were overweight. But today, an estimated 61% of Americans are overweight. Yet we have the same genes as our ancestors. What's changed isn't our genes, but our lifestyle. Our lives have become more sedentary and our daily activity level has decreased for the days of our past relatives. We have loads of unhealthy processed food and easily accessed fast food. Ultimately, your behavior determines the number on the scale. If you choose healthy, low-calorie food and exercise, you can lose weight or maintain your present weight. Choose the right behaviors and reap the rewards of a healthy lifestyle. Stay active, eat light, nutritious food, and watch your health increase as your weight decreases. For the Fitness Minute... I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a bug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. back we are talking to our guest sherry burgess and she is the wife of nationally syndicated radio host rick burgess of the rick and bubba show and they are both sought after ministry speakers and marriage conference host uh sherry i know at one point you were a uh, former news anchor and now you've turned Mm -hmm. author and you just recently released your new book about your son um, bronner and you were sharing with us right before we went on to the commercial break um uh, talking about how God overwrites the, the, the bigger story of our yeah. story. And I just have to ask you, you know, going back, like Lisa said, we're, we're sitting here listening to your story. And of course, 
we are in Arizona with, you know, the pools and with children and we all, mm -hmm. that's, that's your biggest fear. And, and I, I know several years ago, my, my neighbor had the, a similar story and she just had mm -hmm. a little play pool and mm -hmm. her um, kids were watching uh, the two-year-old. He happened to get outside and he tripped into the play pool. Um, by the time they, they found him, it was too late. But I just watched mm -hmm. um, her kids growing up and how much it even uh, affected them. Uh, they weren't believers, so um, they weren't able to be able to turn to God for just as when you've gone through a tragedy like that, I think you internalize so much of that pain. And I'm just curious for your own sons. I know mm -hmm. when, when I've had tragedy in my life, you, you can't look at the bigger picture sometimes. And mm -hmm. so you forget how it's affecting everybody else around you. Um, mm -hmm. How are you able to cope with your own children and their mm -hmm. pain? Um, and are you still able to, to talk about that and unpack some of the the tragedy and, and the pain that they had to have gone through to be in the room mm -hmm. with them. You know, there has yeah. to be some guilt there on their part. Well, we took it through, took them through it all um, biblically. And as we were getting answers from God, we were sharing it with our children and they were getting it. Uh, we took them to the hope that we have in God. Um, we took them all the way to uh, Revelation, and that's where we are to fix our eyes. Um, you were talking before the break about perspective, and we do have to look at it from God's perspective. And then we have to share uh, that perspective uh, with our children. God's looking at eternity. As you said before, He is looking at that big picture, and we have to look at it at that big picture, too. One of my sons did have uh, some guilt, like you say, and um, he was taking it um, hard. Um, they all uh, grieved in different ways, but one in particular had a stronger reaction uh, one day we were uh, walking along around our pond. We had this farm that we, we left our, our house for a few uh, months because we didn't want to be here where it happened. And we stayed in this little farmhouse that we have um, near where we live. But it has a pond. And so Rick and I, my husband and I, were walking. And Brooks, uh, he was um, eight years old at the time was walking along behind us at a distance a little bit, and I saw him walking down into the pond. This was still January, so it was still very cold here in Alabama. And so I said, Brooks, what are you doing? Get out of the water. And um, he said, I want to drown. I want to do it for Bronner. And I said, no, son, you cannot do that. You can't do that to me. I've already lost one son. I couldn't handle losing another. And I said to him, do you see there were all these stray dogs around and one had a bad eye, one had a, a bad leg. And I said, do you see those dogs? When Jesus comes back, this one won't have a bad leg. That one won't have a bad eye. And everything is going to be made perfect. You're going to get to pet a lion and it won't hurt you. And I tell you, the light bulb just went off. You could see the wheels turning. You know, he got it. He understood. Um, even at that young age, that no, things aren't perfect here in this world, but they will be. And see, that was one of the lessons that I was learning and teaching to my children, my whole family, that 
No, life here in this fallen world is not perfect. I tried to make it perfect. You know, you want to make everything uh, perfect for your children, but it's not going to be until we get um, to, you know, Revelation chapter 21 and 22. That, the very end, that's, uh, you know, in my Bible, it's one page. So I always say there's one page of perfect in the Bible. And so knowing that, knowing that, that is coming, gives us the strength to endure whatever we have to endure in this life. It may not be something as dramatic as losing a child. It may be something else. But if we belong to Christ, we are going to suffer. Romans chapter 8 um, tells us very specifically that, um, that those who belong to Christ will suffer with Him if we are to be glorified with Him. And then we see... Um, you know, examples of this throughout Scripture. Paul, who was uh, stoned almost to death. In fact, the people who stoned him in Lystra thought he was dead. They drug him out of the city. But when he got up and came back into the city, the very next day, he and Barnabas went out on a uh, missionary journey, made some more disciples there in Derby, came back to Lystra. And this is this is what he said in Acts 14. I'm going to turn there in my Bible and just, just read it real quickly. Um, but he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, um, encouraging them. It says, he strengthens the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So here Paul is stoned nearly to death then coming back and encouraging others, saying, look, yes, you're going to have some hard stuff that goes on here in this world. But look, later on, we're going to enter the kingdom of God, and all of that's going to end, but you've got to continue in the faith. And this is what I encourage. Uh, this is this is what I hope to do, is encourage you, your listeners, anyone who reads my book, to continue in the faith. Because I know life gets hard, and a lot of people want to get angry at God and blame Him for this. But no, it's not to hurt us. God doesn't do these things to to just um, make us feel bad. No, God is training us to be like himself. He's training us to be holy and to seek the things um, of God, things that are above. Um, one of the the verses of Scripture that God specifically gave to me when I was hurting so much um, in my grief you know, it's been eight years, so I've, I've grown a lot through this. But early on, I was reading through First um, Peter, which speaks to suffering a great deal and gives, you know, the explanation behind it. Uh, these verses in First in Peter 4, 1 and 2 just jumped off the page uh, for me as, you know, telling you this is the why. It says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So he didn't want me living for my own human passions anymore, but to live for him. And that is what I am um, encouraging all of us to do. Live for God, not for self. These are the lessons that I learned, and I hope to pass along to others to save them 
some of the trouble that um, that uh, they might otherwise um, have to go through. Well, you know, you're talking about this whole grieving process, and mm-hmm. so many times when we experience, you know, pain on whatever level, mm-hmm. um, we always are looking for someone to blame, and and yeah. how, to, how to divert that pain because it's easier to cope with it that way. And so we have so many coping mechanisms, and you know, and mm-hmm. obviously when the you know one of the one you know we we t- tend to blame God, and you know that's where yeah. a lot of thought goes to and and what you're saying is you know you've gone into and you've read scripture and you've seen you know the goodness of God still and how he uses that we only have like two minutes and so we wanted to say thank you again Sherry for joining and just opening up your heart and sharing your story Mm. that is you know a profound pain but at the same time full of hope um Mm, and so can you just leave us with this thought is one of the because I there's a lot of of grieving that goes on at different levels Mm. in people's lives what was um, the most unexpected thing to you that you learned about the grieving process to, to just get hope and encouragement to our listeners as we kind of conclude this time? Well, one of the most unexpected things was how much God can grow us through it. Um, God made me see that, um, that, yeah, our human flesh does want to blame others, to blame God, but what I am asking you to do is not turn away from God, to get angry at God, but to run to Him for answers, for truth, because He has them. There are answers. There are reasons. But none of um, God's reasons are bad. God is good. And I love that song that you mentioned. Um, uh, he is a good, good father. I um, believe that with all of my heart, and we have to remember that and trust that he does have this big picture in mind. He has this great plan, and all of it works together for good if we'll just trust him, if we'll just love him, and we'll believe in him and run to him um, and let him comfort us. Um, I experienced such beautiful comfort from my God and through his people. Um, that was one of the sweetest things. Just people, uh, people do rush to the side of, of the hurting and, and they want to help. Um, and that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But God did pick me up and I know that he can pick you up out of any circumstance and show you that he loves you and that all of this is going to work together for your good and for his glory. Absolutely. And very well said. And that's a great way to just kind of conclude this time. And just with a hope and encouragement, you don't have to stay in that place, but do give yourself time to grieve mm-hmm. and grieve in the way. And But search out, you know, really where is God and what God says about that. Um, thank you, Sherry Burgess, for just joining our show and sharing your story. And and your book is Bronner. And we just encouraging, encourage our listeners to just take a moment and get go online and find that book. We're going to have more information about how to contact you in the book on our website at girlfriendit.com. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's Do you ever find yourself trying to concentrate at the office and the person at the next desk is so distracting, humming, mumbling to themselves, drumming their fingers, maybe tapping their pencil? Did you know there is a word for someone who drones on, hums, and distracts nonstop? They are called bombolators. My husband is a classic bombolator. Whenever I find a quiet place in the house and try to read a book, that's when he'll enter the room and come up with all kinds of things to bother me. He'll pace back and forth, turn on the TV, start digging through drawers like he's lost something, and most famously, start talking to himself. I usually put up with it for a while before turning into a Rixatrix. That's a nasty old lady who's scolding and just can't be bothered. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, joining us now is Stephanie Wilkerson, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in a ministry of Bloom. Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staff, churches. Bloom is also an umbrella of Stadia, Stadia, which transforms lives and communities through church planning and plants churches that intentionally care for children. And I love their saying, they won't stop until every child has a church. Well, Stephanie and her husband, Michael, moved from Atlanta Memphis two years ago to plant a multi-ethnic church in Memphis, Tennessee, and they have three boys and have been married almost 19 years. They are intentionally multi-ethnic in a city that still struggles with racial harmony. And Stephanie, you also lead women's ministry, and you're very passionate about understanding uh, the true identity and freedom in Christ. And uh, I have, I have. I'm introducing you, and yet I have a question for you because you mentioned that church planning is probably the hardest thing that you've ever done. And so I, I'm going to open up on on that. But first of all, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Patty, thanks for having me. Well, um, so tell us a little bit about, I know you, you and your husband have been doing um, the church planning 
Why would you say it's the hardest thing that you've ever done? Um, I was laughing when you said that just because um, I remember saying that. And I still, I still, uh, we say that all the time. We've been married almost 19 years. Um, and we were um, in lay ministry. We were in um, just in the working force without um, sometimes just serving at a church. And then eventually we were on full-time staff as a youth ministry. And um, even though those all had, you know, great ups and great downs. I think definitely church planning has been the hardest thing, um, just because you're putting yourself in a completely different situation than you've ever been. Um, I've, I've actually been taking some time this week to read back over just the prayers and, um, you know, things that I journaled when we were going through the process. And um, there's just a lot of, a lot of ifs and a lot of um, what ifs that you go through. And, just having to really trust God in that was, um, it's hard, but it's also been, um, the best thing we've ever done. So <laughs> it's definitely one of the hardest, but it's also the best because, um, just seeing God answer prayer in ways that you don't even know what's going to happen next. You're, and we moved from a, a state, um, to another state here in Memphis, Tennessee, where we, um, literally didn't know anybody. Um, there was no, uh, family here. We didn't have a support system here yet, so we just um, what we call a parachute plant, which we just kind of parachuted in to Memphis, um, and so we began from the ground up to just start meeting people. And so it's hard, but it's also really exciting because when you get to see God um, introduce you to people, um, you know, you pray when you go to the grocery store, like, okay, I hope I meet someone today, God, that you have for me, you know, praying for your kids' friends. Pray. I mean, there's just so many details, but yet now it's really cool, too, and especially this week, reminding myself, just going back and looking at the way he answered prayers and the people he brought into our lives and um, the city that he's let us be a part of. Uh, we love it here, and we love um, the neighborhood that he put us in and, and the, just all of the different things that we really had to trust God with and, um, and all the trials along the way. But, but yeah, so that's something I would say it's the hardest, but I'd also say it's the best and we don't regret a minute of it. Mm. Well, I, I love the term, um, parachute plant. I, I hadn't <laughs> And just you painted such a picture of that, you know, you go, you go into wherever you are and it's, it's interesting because the first thing I thought of, you know, I lead, um, high school girls, uh, is that we mm -hmm. all should be praying that we should be praying, um, just every day that we wake up, um, we, you know, we've been talking today about our story and how God overwrites our story. Many times we don't see the bigger picture at the time right. we're in it daily, right. but to be all of us should be parachute planting. Uh, like you said, you mm -hmm. go into the grocery store and you're praying, okay, God, put that person in my life that I can have an impact on. Um, and that will have an impact on me, but you know, right. me <laughs> that big ask to, to mm -hmm. invite them. Um, and it's, it's really hard to get those relationships going. I know Lisa and I, uh, just, what, Monday night, we go into the um, strip clubs, and that's always our, our huge ask of God is just help us to be so bold in our conversation. Um, you right. know, our ultimate goal, obviously, is we, we want to get them into the church walls. We, we definitely want to get them to see, you know, Christ's love. But getting into that conversation of being able to just meet him for coffee, you know, getting past right. the that wall there. So yeah, when you're at the grocery store 
and you're in line and you start talking to someone, it's like, it really has to be thought out. Um, you know, as much as we go, okay, God, put it there. You also have to think, okay, what would be a good question? What kind of conversation can I get into? What can I look for to compliment this person on or just where they trust you? And, um, so I, I love that. And I think you just challenged all of us to, you know, you you don't have to go out to do a ministry. It's every day, everywhere you Mm -hmm. go, you should be going, give me that person. Let me have that relationship with that person. So right. Right. in the couple of years that you have been doing this, um, did you, when you parachute in, do you have a building or do you just start it out in your home? Um, no, we started in our home. We actually came, um, we were, I mean, so blessed. And that's one of the things that uh, we're definitely uh, passionate about is the idea that we, we found, um, we, you know, we had a commercial forum earlier, but Stadia was one of the, uh, main parts of our, our journey. Um, they, once we got partnered with them and um, came under them, we also, that's how we got into, okay, where and when and blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of other details, but we ended up in Memphis. Um, so we had a support from them in terms of we had our coach and we had a amazing um, uh, project manager, Michelle Parker, who is awesome and love her. And so she walked us through and sometimes counseled us through and heard us cry through all of the different things that we were trying to get done. And we just started meeting in our home. Um, and I was literally today looking in my journal of the first time we met and we had six people, um, plus, well, I think we had four plus our five. So we had nine (laughs) in total. And, um, we met in our living room and those were people we literally met, uh, our first, engager as we call him at engaged church but um and his name's rob and he's an awesome guy who's still um very involved at our church we met him on the street literally as we were driving around neighborhoods looking for houses and michael my husband pulled over and was like i'm gonna ask this guy about the neighborhood and i'm like we're really just gonna stop in the middle of the road right now like (laughs) so we did and he started talking to rob and uh sure enough about a month later rob comes to our house and um so did his uh, girlfriend's going to be wife, Rachel, and um, we had four or five people, and we just kind of met on a weekly basis. We would meet people while we were out. We would, um, we had a neighborhood. We threw a block party in our driveway with bounce houses and hot dogs, um, <laughs> and so that's how we just started meeting people, um, and, you know, from that, we've met some great neighbors. We um, actually have several families in our neighborhood. We we like to joke and call it the Engagerhood. But we, uh, one of my best friends here, Betsy, is uh, right around the corner, and she now leads worship at our church. So it just uh, it was just getting out there, and that's basically what we did. And so we started to meet people, met our house, and then we didn't have a building. You asked that. Um, we started looking for avenues and uh, venues to meet in, and. Um, we tried, we thought maybe the school here, you know, we really are big on our community and pouring into the community. That's one of our values, but, um, that wasn't working out. We just weren't able to get the deal done with how to meet in the school on Sundays. And so eventually we, um, my husband was driving by a building as Clark Memphis software center. And, um, he's like, I'm going to go in there. And he went in, started talking to them. And sure enough, a church had literally just, um, moved out two weeks before and so we've been there ever since. We now meet in the um, Opera House. It's their practice facility. It's a beautiful building. They've been wonderful to us. Um, we have a great relationship there. And um, 
we've started, we just started getting to meet people around us who would be coming and, you know, you send out flyer, you do all the, all the things that marketing wise. And so we've grown from those six people in our living room, um, which we did that for about four or five months until we moved into the building. And so now we're about a hundred, 110 people who meet in our, um, facility and we set up every morning on Sundays to go in at six o'clock in the morning. We have some awesome volunteers and then we're usually there until about one tearing down. Well, it, that's an, that's an amazing journey. And like you said, <clears throat> starting with just a handful in your living room and now you're running 110 or so and, um, you know, good for you guys. And I, I, it's, it's always so encouraging for others to hear how others start, mm-hmm. you know, cause you look at a project or, excuse me, no matter what you're doing and you go like, where do I begin? Yeah. And that's, what's overwhelming. And like you, you started with, you know, you had a great uh, ministry organization stadia surrounding Mm -hmm. you. So it really is about that collaboration Mm -hmm. and, and that kind of gives you your wings, you know, to go out there and to do and to start. And it's just, you know, initiating conversation and you never know what conversation with somebody where it will lead, but we're so, you know, we all are, yeah, we're all afraid of that because we're a rejection or what are they going to think about me instead of going, okay, I'm just going to be bold and I'm going to start a conversation. And I see someone that God has put here and you never know what doors or what God is doing. And God's already prepared those people right. usually by the time you get a chance to be bold and talk to them. Well, I, I was laughing, Stephanie, because you, you have three sons and I thought, okay, that is your youth department, right? And so <laughs> exactly. you feel about that? I, I know we only have uh, two minutes before we go into our break, but okay. um, how are they like going out and being bold? Are they totally in or do they go, eh, whatever, mom? No, it's actually been awesome to, to watch. Um, they are really into it. We've, um, we actually started the year before we moved, uh, which was all part of this journey when we started to feel like church planting was coming. We decided to homeschool. Um, and so, which kind of seems the opposite because everyone's coming home, except that we're also involved in the community every week. And um, it was a great opportunity for our family to um, start this church planting thing because of our traveling and everything. And so when we moved here, we uh, got plugged in with a community called Classical Conversations, which we meet with every week. We've been doing it for three years. And so we have an amazing community there as well. And so the kids started to kind of have that as well as um, the church. And all three of them, they're 10, 12, and 15, um, play some kind of part in that. Stephanie, I'm going to stop you right now. Patty was too generous okay. when she told us we had two minutes because we have to take a break right now. We're going to take oh, a break. Okay. We'll be right back with Girlfriend at Radio. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it. Connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. 
Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. ever call in sick when you're actually not ill? According to a recent survey, this is a common practice of about one-third of the working public. On the flip side, 30% of employees say they've gone to work sick in order to save their sick days for when they're feeling well. That's pretty twistical or not quite moral. Career Builders does an annual study to see what excuses workers are using when calling in sick. One employee called in to say their false teeth flew out of the window while driving into work. One employee said he couldn't get in his car because it was surrounded by angry bees, while another claimed they thought they had won the lottery. What are words for poor excuses? Flapdoodles and fimblefambles. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Togenet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we've been chatting with Stephanie Wilkerson, who leads and serves with other church planners' wives in the ministry of Bloom. Bloom provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for planners' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staffs, and churches. And, Stephanie, we, we rudely interrupted you. That's <laughs> okay. You youth department there at your church. Uh, so, anyway, you, you were letting us know um, what was taking place and how they were able to talk to their friends and in inviting them into church. I mean, yeah. they, you're, we're talking to their friends. Right, right. No, that's okay. Um, but yeah, they, um, I was saying that my boys are 10, 12, and 15, and um, all three of them, you know, have unique personalities, but they've all kind of um, blossomed in their own way here. It's been neat to see. My, my oldest has really taken on a lot of responsibility with um, our video and um, getting into, he's really taken on photography and getting into design there. And so he's, always helping um, set up and tear down and, and get in there and do it. I know he doesn't always like getting up super early on Sunday mornings, but he does it with, um, with a good attitude. And, um, you know, I always check in because I always want to make sure our kids don't feel like, well, your church plans are now, you're, you know, this is what you have to do. But, you know, they always are like, no, I like it. I want to do it. So as long as they keep wanting to do things, we let them. Um, and my middle son is very much about uh, talking to people. He's, he's got a very compassionate side of him that he likes to um, – reach out to the people that he sees maybe aren't getting as much attention or as much love. So he's always looking for those people when we're out uh, serving. Uh, we do a lot of community uh, service, and he's the one that will set up our hug station. Um, we've been downtown uh, doing our homeless feeds or um, or cleaning up trash or whatever it is. He's always wanting to give hugs. We're actually known for hugging at our church. Um, and my youngest is uh he's he's the social butterfly anyway so you pretty much can't find a place where malachi is not gonna fit in and so it's been really cool to see um the parts of their personality getting to to bloom i mean it's not always easy i always you know struggle with the balance between being mom and um homeschool teacher and um you know pastor's wife and 
uh, leading, you know, teams on the ministry or whatever. But um, but it's been really neat for our family because we we're all in it together, and we really enjoy that. And so um, that's one of the things I'm really thankful for is just the way that we've gotten to do that. And in the process, we've also seen family who um, we, you know, I so said we moved here. We didn't know anybody. Um, but about a year after we moved here, uh, through a series of events, my uh, mom and dad lived in uh, near Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, we've always lived in separate cities, even though we see each other often and we're very close. Um, they ended up moving here in uh, March of last year, so they just had their one-year uh, anniversary of being here, and they literally live in uh, right around the corner now, which is awesome, and that's been a huge blessing because um, we've never had that uh, in all the, times that, all the time that we've had uh, children and so now my kids get to have their grandparents right around the corner. So that's been awesome too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I want to, I want to um, kind of change channels here for a moment. Talk about something sure. because you guys intentionally, um, you're intentionally multi-ethnic in a, in a city that is really kind of known for racial, you know, struggling with racial harmony. And I know um, both Patty and I, our moms are from, we're from Memphis. And as a, as a child, our family used to go back to Memphis um, every every summer to see relatives and grandparents, and so I, I we both have southern roots to us, and I and um, a little familiar with the city. And um, mm-hmm. it was interesting because a couple of years ago, my husband and I were kind of doing a driving tour through the south a little bit. He had never really been there, and we like to drive and kind of explore back roads. And so it kind of took us through Memphis, and I went back to the, where my grandparents live, and we were kind of driving like downtown Memphis, and we could tell that it was probably not the safest place at, at ten o'clock at night. And so we got back out to our hotel area, and we went to in, in somewhere to eat. And the, our server's like, well, where have you guys been? And we're like, we told them we'd been driving around. They're like, oh, my gosh, you don't want to do that. That was so so dangerous. You don't want to be there. And we're like, well, we kind of sensed it, but we were kind of driving through. And so you could already feel just in that few moments there, there was some tension there of, of the yeah. city. Like, don't do that. It's kind of dangerous and all that kind of stuff. So talk about this because this really is kind of a – you know, it's, it's being talked about, especially in our political culture and, and, and just, you know, different things, just the, the differences and, and the other and, and, you know, relating to people that are different than us, you know, whether it is culturally, re- religion or ethnicity, you know, whatever that looks like. You guys are, are trying to bring that harmony in there. Can you talk about that? Because that's kind of like peacemaking and, you know, bringing that, bringing others together to be together, which is such a beautiful picture of truly what heaven will be like. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, One of the things that we knew when we started church planting was that we wanted um, to be multi-ethnic. I mean, we didn't know exactly where we were going to be going. We didn't know um, what that looked like yet. But that's just our lives are that way. They always have been, our families and everything. So we just knew that was uh, really important to us. And we knew um, as we started looking where to live that um, Memphis kept coming up and Memphis kept coming up and Memphis kept coming up. And so we were like, okay, as we came to visit, um, it was evident in the first time we got here, first of all, we felt right at home. Um, We felt like this was a place that we could um, call home for sure. And um, we'd never even been to Memphis before that, even though I've grown up, uh, I grew up in California until I was, you know, 12 years old. And then I've grown up in the South the rest of my life, but still have connections out West. And we had never been to Memphis, but we got here and it was kind of obvious. Like you said, we get that a lot from people 
who are like, oh, well, be careful where you are. Oh, Memphis has a lot of crime. We've even had police officers who are like, yeah, you don't want to stay here. You need to go. And we're like, well, okay, that's not why we're here. Um, and so there is that perception, I think, that um, people feel like, oh, there must be a lot of um, that crime and everything there is, is really something to watch out for. But we have actually felt like um, getting here um, – it is obvious that there's some kind of unspoken um, disharmony sometimes that people like, like an unspoken just distrust and um, between all races, you know, there's a lot of different ethnicities here and we um, strived to start to just get to know people no matter who they were, no matter what we look like, no matter where we're from, no matter how much money we have, um, whatever our background is, because that's how Jesus did it. And he just, loved us and loves all of us no matter what we look like or where we come from or what we've done or anything. And so we just strove, um, we were striving just to show um, unity and diversity, which is what we talk about at church a lot. And in that, we just started to meet people. And, you know, I don't look at people um, and think, you know, I'm going to make this happen or make that happen or I'm going to pick someone out based on what they look like. But as we started to meet people, we started to find out that, um, there are people who are really hurting from the fact that they feel isolated. And so um, it's been really cool to see as we've started to um, serve together and eat together and um, worship together and, and just play together. We, we're big on family. We're big on um, community time and um, hanging out together that we're all alike. You know, there's, there's, um, there's no one thing that defines any of us. No matter what color we are, no matter what language we speak, we have a lot of different languages in our church as well. And, and like you said, that's what heaven's going to look like. Um, and we really feel like that's what Memphis is supposed to look like. And so um, even though we get some weird looks sometimes and people are like, well, how do you think you're going to fix it? And it's, it's not that we think we're going to fix it all, but we feel like we can be part of the solution by loving people. And if we love people and we love Jesus, then hopefully we can introduce them to each other. And, you know, that's the goal. And I think um, it's been neat to see our church really grasp onto that. We have uh, white, black, Hispanic, Asian um, in our little church. And um, it's really neat just to see um, all the different um, shades of, of skin and um, languages that are just beautiful. Uh, that we pray in together, and even though I can't understand Spanish fluently, I love to hear my friend Hayer pray in it, and, you know, it's just something that we've kind of, um, well, not kind of, we just know that this is what God intended when he talked about um, all people. You know, when he talked about the Jews and the Gentiles, those were two different ethnicities, and he said over and over again that they were supposed to be one, and that's what I think we as a church are supposed to be is we're supposed to be one. And it gets too easy sometimes to hang out with the people we look like or who sound like us. And, you know, there's white churches and black churches and Hispanic churches and Asian churches. But the issue is that we're all supposed to be one church. And um, so that's what we focus on. And we just, we talk about it. Um, we just, you know, sometimes you have to have uncomfortable conversations with each other and, and try to, you know, get to know each other and understand each other's cultural backgrounds be able to um to go to forward together but if you just try to ignore it and be like oh well we look different but it doesn't matter we just won't ever talk about it what ends up happening is 
you don't talk about a whole lot of anything because you're you're scared to bring up certain topics or you just kind of um, end up with the people who look like you. So that's been a neat part of uh, this one. That's the main thing we love about Engage. And that's the thing, going back to my kids, that I they say all the time that they love about our church is just um, being able to be around people who are completely different than us and um, that yet we're completely the same. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and what you're saying, it really is, it, you know, we get uncomfortable with people that are not like us and, and the other, and we label, it's easy to label, and then to assume that they don't want to be with us either, or mm-hmm. they have these preconceived ideas about us. Instead of us just going, what would it look like if I just smiled, if I just said hi and included them? Because mm-hmm. we all want to belong. And so, right. you know, it just, it just goes back to how do you make people feel like they belong and that they're wanted? I mean, it's, it really is that simple yeah. and, and mm-hmm. it just, and going out. But like you said, so many times we try to surround ourselves with people just like us because that's comfortable to us and that's what we know. And so I, I love the concept, what you guys are doing and how you really are, um, you know, re- you're mirroring your community. You're not trying to go, okay, we're, you know, this white church in this multi-ethnic mm-hmm. community. You really are. We look like our community. We are. This is what the community does and, and what it looks like. And so that's such a great challenge to, to all of us to go, what area of my life am I not um, diversifying and, and not kind of stepping out of my comfort zone to, to welcome others in and to, you know, to create those safe places for people to connect, which is what you're doing. Well, we just want to thank you, Stephanie, for being a part of our show and sharing your story, a significant story, and just, you know, the significance of church planning and and reaching your community and just starting and getting out there and, and going past, you know, our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So we just appreciate you and the ministry of Bloom and the ministry of Stadia and the difference it's making in our world and in our communities. Thanks for joining our show today. You've been listening to Girlfriend at Radio. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the